Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Booth Podcast. Oh, oh boy. What a night it was last night. We are recording this on Monday, the day after the West semifinal between the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and the Calgary Stampeders. What a game. How are you doing today, Dave? I've never, in. we'll get into it later, but for a lot of different reasons, that was one of the, maybe one of the most wildest games. I'll mention a specific aspect of it later, but maybe the best performance I've ever seen in an aspect of, of a live football game too, man. It was, it was something. What a It was definitely something. That was a game for the ages. If you can't tell, I spent a lot of energy screaming at that game last night. I definitely don't sound how I normally sound. So bear with me. I'll be taking lots of mute breaks on Zoom here to cough <laughs> and drink some water. Before we get into recapping the games from yesterday, let's talk about some other local sports. Kick it off with University of Saskatchewan Huskies are headed to the Vanier Cup after their UTEC Bowl victory over University of Montreal. Yeah, I, I was seeing that. It was because uh, Flory's the coach, Scott Flory's the coach of the U of S Huskies, and they went to Montreal and they played the Caravan, right? Yeah. And their, their coordinator is Anthony Calvillo. And Flory and Calvillo played together for 15 years in Montreal, yeah. right? For the Alouettes. So I remember I was listening to a little bit of the, there was an interview that was on the Green Zone this week, and it was Flory talking about how he likes to scheme, obviously from the run game from that way out, right? And Calvillo likes to scheme quarterback from up top out, right? And I mean, that game was close right to the very end. And then right at the end of the game, they got that big, whatever, 15-yard touchdown run and the Huskies clinched it, right? Yeah, yeah. What Five seconds left on the clock was when they scored to clinch that game. Mm-hmm. What, what a game. They do head to the Vanier Cup now to take on a very, very hot Western team. Western, okay. The so we will see how that goes. Is that game it, next weekend? I believe so. Okay, because for a while they were always doing all of the games on the same weekend as the Grey Cup, but with the season pushback, I didn't know what the idea was. So I think it's probably next weekend, though. I assume so. I can't find yeah. it right now, but I believe yeah, I it the, is this weekend. Yeah, it's, an, it's impressive to see for a long, long time with the Hilltops and the Thunder and the Junior Football League always being the, like the best teams. For a long time, the U of R and U of S weren't really that great, right? It was always the Dinos or UBC, but it's really nice to see at least like a couple of years ago, the U of R was really good and near the top of that stuff. But it's good to see another Saskatchewan team, the Huskies with lots of guys that I've played football with or, or against and stuff making it big all the way to the Vanier Cup. It's nice to see. It is nice to see. Congratulations to the U of S Huskies. Go get it done in the Vanier Cup. In other local sports news, kind of local, the Tim Hortons curling trials wrapped up in Saskatoon over the weekend. From the men's side, we have Brad Gushu and Team Gushu as our Team Canada. And on the women's side, it will be team jennifer jones so good luck to both those teams heading into beijing we will be excited here at the booth to cover some olympic content that's that's a sport that i got really into i used to have a roommate a buddy of ours we know 
who plays university curling, right? And I lived with him for a couple of years and I actually kind of got into curling a bit, man. And it's especially tough when you have so many teams that are always there, right? On the men's side, you have Gushu and Jacobs. You just have, like I said, I'm blanking on some other names, but if you say them, I'll know them, right? But you yeah. just have so many consistent, Kui, so many consistent teams all the time. You know, you play them so many times a year in these spiels, right? Yeah. It's, it, it always comes down right to the end. So, I mean, congratulations, Gushu and Jennifer Jones. Uh, go Canada, right? Go Canada, go. All righty. Now is the time. Let's get into some CFL content. Let's oh recap the games from Sunday, starting off with the East semifinal. That was a – that was – that was about, I think, the way we thought it would go with it finishing up 23 to 12 for Hamilton. It was a defensive dominant performance by the Hamilton Tiger Cats. It's, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where we talked about last week, we were trying to gas up. Maybe the Owls have something in them, right? Trevor Harris is kind of a dangerous guy when he gets in his rhythm, but with the Grey Cup, eluding the Ticats for so long and being so close, that defense playing so hot, wanting to get back home for the Great Cup game at Hamilton. It's not really a surprise that that team took over the game, right? From the bits that I was watching, like I was watching it kind of on and off before we went to the stadium for the Riders. It just seemed like it was all the defense. And then eventually the dam broke in the second half and kind of Hamilton turned it on. And from what I gathered, it was kind of the late garbage time points to make it closer with 12 points. I think the Owls had, right. But 12 points isn't much. So yeah. Congratulations Hamilton. You're, you're as hot as we thought you were. Now you got to go to Toronto and prove it. Right. Exactly. We're looking for some positive notes from Montreal and something for them to take into the future here. You got Eugene Lewis and that guy is a dog. Yeah. That guy finished the day with, Oh, in my notes, six catches, 127 yards. Wow, big that, game, eh? That guy balled out in spite of that Hamilton defense. Yeah. But talking about the Hamilton defense, that pass rush was just dominant with Jagarrett Davis and Dylan Wynn. Oh, six sacks, four forced fumbles. Oof. That yeah, was a good big luck. one. Good luck winning the game when you're going to have have that much pressure in your face. You're going to turn the ball over like that, right? Yeah, it just felt like, like – Good good guys at the second level too, like uh, – Santos Knox and of course Simone Lawrence, longtime veteran, lead uh, tackling leader in Hamilton history. Like that's a tough defense to face, man. That is a tough defense. And we saw uh, on the offensive side kind of a down year for Brandon Banks for Speedy yeah. B this year, but he did kind of find his rhythm in this game. He did have five catches for 58 yards. So good to see a guy like Brandon Banks hitting his stride again at the right time especially if they do make the Grey Cup game. Like I said, I'll, I'll, when we're going to review the West final, there's a take that a lot of people agree with. You probably know where I'm going with this. If you're going to be the Ticats and win the Grey Cup this year, you need to be firing on all cylinders. So it's about time that Brandon Banks and Jeremiah Mazzoli hit that connection, right? Yeah. To keep talking about the Hamilton defense, it's hard to stop talking about that game that they had. But we, we talk about what Montreal's key factor was coming to this game and it was William Stanback. And then you saw before the game, the flurries come in, it's snowing, it's cold in Hamilton. It's, it's heating up. It's getting wet out there. This is going to be a running game. 
This is going to be a pound the rock game. And that plays to Montreal strength. And that Hamilton defense shut down William Stanback for 12 carries for 29 yards. Unbelievable. The amount of production that Stanback has been, has been running the ball with all year, probably the best back for the last two years in the CFL. And then for Hamilton and to give defense to Steinauer and that defensive staff and that defense on the field to completely shut him down to make this game, you have to beat us by the air in like a, like we said, a mini kind of blizzard almost yeah. at Tim Horton's field. That's the only way you can beat us. And they couldn't get it done. They just couldn't. So Hamilton will head to Toronto on Sunday for the Eastern final. Let's move on to the later game. All right. What a game it was. Final score in double overtime, Saskatchewan 33, Calgary 30. I don't know if I've quite caught my breath from that one yet. That, like, I've I've been how many Ryder games in my life? Plenty. You know, as much as, as much as you do living so close to Regina or in Regina at this point, but, like, I don't remember a game like that. So many – it was as weird as it is, it's such a flair for the dramatic. There was so much drama in that game. So many times where you're holding your breath, big reactions, and I got to get this one off my chest. I got to. I don't know if there's a unit in the CFL that's better than that Riders defense. I don't know if I've ever watched a live game and saw a defense. You look at it and they gave up 30 points. That doesn't tell you the story because that Riders defense – with all, if they, if they, if Calgary would have scored 50 points with the four turnovers the Riders gave, you would have understood, like, oh man, the defense just couldn't hold. And they held every single time. They made every stop they needed to. Two picks, a lot of pressure. I think two recorded sacks, a uh, forced fumble they didn't recover, but still forced. A goal line or like a, a plunge third down stop to turn over on downs. That defense was out of their minds and are the reason that the Riders won that game. Definitely. When you talk about you have to win two phases of the game to win the game. Right. And we, I don't think anybody put real onus on the special teams going into this game. That's where where it's good to have a special teams coordinator be your coach now, right? Exactly. And the special teams and that defense is what won this game for the Riders. When you combine the Jamal Morrow punt return touchdown, the onside kick to start the third quarter, Brett Lowther four for five on field goals, including the walk-off winner. That was just a complete dominance of the special team performance. Also to add in the, the fumbled punt by Calgary that the, the Riders cover team got right. back and set us up in great field position. Yeah, you're you're definitely right about that. You know what I mean? You When you're a coach and when you're a player, you always want to – you'll say the right thing. The right thing to say is, hey, man, special teams are just as important as starting offense, starting defense. But you know what I mean? It's easy to overlook that because, I mean, hey, that's where you – that's where you – you make your name so that you can get starting reps on O and D, right? That's just special teams. And then when you see a game like this, you remember why special teams are so important. That Rogers special team unit was on another level. And like I said, that is as big as a reason as our defense was as to why we won that game. Have you ever seen a team that is as good at recovering onside kicks as this Riders team? I, not that I can remember, man. Like you said, those are incredibly low percentage, right? 
And then they just start at the start of the half. It looks like they're going to do it. And then all of a sudden you just, and to have like, it's, it's interesting to have a big guy in there, like AC Leonard, yeah. a guy who used to play tight end in, in the States in college, right? Just getting his big mitts up there, big jump ball or covering it. Not enough good things can be said about that special teams unit, man. No, definitely not. We do have to look at the offense, which was not as good as we would like it to be. Cody Fajardo throwing four interceptions. That's tough, but I, I listened to a few interviews with Cody and he really said this team won in spite of what I did. And I'm so, so happy for this team to do this. Cody did look good on the ground though. That was, that was a dominant performance. He was our leading rusher on the team, which was shades of Darian Durant in the 2013 West semifinal is what I keep hearing over and over again. Yeah, it was, it truly was though. You know what I mean? At any, if he got space, that guy was taking it for 12 a pop. It seemed like, right. It was good that way, but I'm going to be the Debbie downer to start this because that offense isn't good enough. If we play the way we did then in Winnipeg, we are going to get destroyed. That's just how it is. Besides yesterday's CFL game and, I mean, it happened on Sunday night football too. So maybe this is like the worst time to say it, but like you don't win games throwing four picks. You don't, you saw two of them yesterday and like, wow, what an outlier, but like, you don't, you're not going to win throwing four picks. You're not going to win winning three picks. You might win. If you only throw two, you prefer if you didn't, I mean, our running game outside of Fajardo was okay. I think Powell had 70 or 80 yards, but I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't dominant by any stretch. It was okay. And then that passing game still at points, there's a big play here or there, but it still doesn't seem right. You know what I mean? The rhythm isn't there to hit him. Bang, bang, bang. The only time it seemed like that was when he kept hitting Duke Williams at the end in the fourth quarter. Right. That was the only time we, our passing game went at will. So it's just, it's still concerning. You have so much leeway with how good that defense is but you just want to see some more points. I know saying, saying that it's so weird. Like you guys put up 33 points. Why are you complaining? But if you saw how the 33 points got on the board, you need more from that offense. Definitely. I would say as a positive note on the offense, I was much more happy with the play calling from Jason Moss than I have been all year. I felt like it was a good mix of run and pass. William Powell maybe didn't go off and has had huge runs every, every time he got the ball but we were at least giving him the ball. Yeah. I mean, that's something to be said for that because there has been a lot of times this year watching the riders where, I mean, we're all going to be armchair quarterbacks, armchair OCs at this point, but the play calling has left a lot to be desired this season. And I can honestly say, I never thought, what are you doing? Jason Moss. It was always, what was that execution, right? Never. Why did you call that play? Which is a completely different topic than we're used to. Right. Definitely. I have a question for you. If you okay. put yourself in the minds of a Calgary organization yep. and you had the performance in a playoff game from Renee Paradis that you had, yep. are you ready to move on? Um, no, for the fact of how good he's been for so long. You have to give a guy, I know it's the most important game of your season and he doesn't, didn't play good enough. And that sucks, but for how good that guy's been for a decade plus almost, you give that guy leeway if he's that good coming back. Because you can see, you see in the NFL all the time, 
especially with a team that you like, if you have a bad kicker, man, that'll blow games for you. Rene Paradise isn't a bad kicker. He had a bad day at the office, though. Yeah, it's a bad, bad time to have a bad day at the office. And the fact that people are asking the question about his job has to be very concerning for him and the Calgary organization. We'll just, we'll just say there has to be a pretty special leg talent to come yeah. in to make him lose his job. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Speaking of special talent, how about Ed Ganey? What a Ed, dog. Ed Ganey is the classic example of what I've been pondering this whole like last four weeks of the riders. It's like this defense has been waiting to turn it on. I don't like, I'm not going to say I'm a genius. I'm not the only one who said it, but like that defense has not played as good as they've been until last night. And then they completely showed like, Oh, we'll get interceptions. We'll get turnovers. We'll get sacks. We'll get stops, turnovers on downs. We will keep our team in this game and we are capable of doing it. It doesn't matter if it's Bolivai Mitchell, an experienced gray cup champion. It doesn't matter if it's, Zach Claros, I'm going to ponder next week. Our defense will hold strong. Ed Ganey absolutely is. He kind of almost seems like he might be the ringleader of that secondary, just how it is. He's the, the most veteran. He's the most experienced. He has the most big plays, big games under his belt. And he came to play when we needed him the most. Definitely. I don't want to nitpick on Calgary too much. They did lose. I don't want to pound him in the ground. But Sean Lemon. Come on, man. Yeah. It, as I mean, a Calgary fan, you got to be so frustrated when you see him throw a punch at the end of the half and know you're setting us up with a 25-yard penalty on the opening kick. And the Riders turned that around with the onside kick, drove down and scored. Right. And then not to mention the fact that, as we were saying about Ganey, veteran is – Sean Lemon is a veteran, a Grey Cup champion-level player. This guy knows the CFL game inside and out, has played in a lot of big spots. That's a guy you want on your D-line if you can have him at your end. And he took himself out of that game, took his experience out of that game, put somebody who maybe, I'm not saying that whoever their other end was never had experience, but not the same level, not the same amount, right? You did that to your team because you can't control your temper at halftime, yet somebody lips off to you decide to punch them. Like, bad move, guy. Real bad move, especially in a game that ended 33-30. to 30. Right. Absolutely. Like one big sack could really turn that around. Yeah. And you could have been the guy maybe to get it, but exactly. So sad. Go play golf, bud. Go play golf. And the rest of you Calgary Stampeders go play some golf, go play golf, go play. We golf. It's probably cold in Calgary still. Probably. Yeah. Well, that wraps up the recap of the East and West semifinals. Next week, we move on to the finals, but before that, Let's preview a little bit of what we have coming in the CFL awards and what we have seen from the CFL East and West All-Stars. Let's start with the All-Stars, save the awards for a second. I think a big story here, Winnipeg, as expected, a lot of All-Stars. That is an All-Star filled team. Just, I think they had 15 All-Stars on that Winnipeg team. That's a lot. Yeah, but I mean, it makes sense the season that they had, right? It sure does. But but like I said, we'll get into this more. But like, hey, man, there's some pretty suspect things just because Winnipeg's so good, right? There is. There is. We, we can't go any longer without talking about where are the riders on this list? 
I mean, people see, do they forget? Like, hey, man, I know Winnipeg is good. Trust me, we also yeah. Did you forget that the Riders won nine games this year? Yeah. Did you forget that we have, like, we were just talking about that defense, a top, probably the best defense. I'll say it right now. Our defense is better than Winnipeg's. I'll put wow. it down. That's that's the best defense in, in the CFL. And you put, you put two guys from the Riders on that defense, on the all-star defense, but is it actually the guys that should be there? I don't think it is. I think where where is AC Leonard on this list? Where he's the leading sacker in the league this season. I I understand you had the situation where he was suspended for three games because of failing to take a drug test. But if you're going to tell me that disqualifies him from being an all-star, I give you 2019 Andrew Harris, who was actually busted for using PEDs. And was it a 2019 CFL All-Star? That's that's the thing, right? How can you have the top two sack leaders in the league, Jonathan Woodard and AC Leonard, and then the two ends in their division are both guys who had less sacks? Hey, I'm, I'm not going to tell you that Willie Jefferson doesn't deserve to be an All-Star because that guy probably does. That guy's tremendous. But you're saying that Jeff Cope, for all the great things he's done, he's a great player. That's more impressive than the season AC Leonard had missing games still. That's what you're telling me? Like, I don't, I, I don't buy that. I think there's a lot of Winnipeg bias in that list. I think so, too. And just to push the rider angle a little bit more, I think we can maybe do a little bit of a revote. And I think a lot of people might put Brett Lowther ahead of Renee Paradez for the all-star kicker after, <laughs> it's, it's, after uh, what we saw. Yeah, it's, if you got it one week later, I think this list would be look a lot different with the guys who are on there, right? I think so, too. On the east side, it, it's it's a pretty good range, actually, of Hamilton and Montreal and Toronto and even a couple Ottawa in there. The, I don't believe – no. Edmonton did not have an all-star, which kind of makes sense because I don't think yeah. they actually did have an all-star on their team this league. I apologize if you're in Edmonton listening to the booth. I realized the other day – over on the NHL podcast, Carvin Hicks, they really, they really do not like the Oilers on that podcast. And over here, we really don't like the Elks. We shit on their stadium. We shit on their team. <laughs> so hey, if you're yeah, still yeah. listening from Edmonton, thank you. Like, contact me. I'll, I'll buy you a booth hat. That is what I will do for you. Yeah, I mean, thanks for listening. Um, you guys are about to get a whole redesign in Edmonton for football, at least. So maybe you guys will have better luck next year. We won't have to dump on you. Yeah. Yeah. So all-stars, all-stars across the board. They're a little suspect, but in the long run, it's just the all-stars, the gray cups, what matters. Right. Absolutely. But to some people, the awards matter a little bit. Yeah. These make a little more sense to me. There's some, I may change up a little bit. It might be, be, might be me being biased, but we look at, we'll break down each, each matchup here from East and West. So yeah. let's start out with coach. Oh, of let's, the year. let's, let's go. This is the official, the official one after like four weeks ago, we had so much trouble trying to pick out who these all-star candidates would be all these awards. These are the official ones. Now we have stuff to talk about. We will get this right. Now we can try and pick from right. two options. And from I think two options, not the whole league. <laughs> We can pull that off. Yeah, I think we. I think we're capable of this. 
So let's start it off with coach of the year. We have from the right. East Division, Ryan Dinwiddie of the Toronto Argonauts versus from the West Division, Mike O'Shea of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I feel like this is going to go a lot of bias. If one of these coaches makes a great cup and the other one doesn't, there may be a big switch of like, if you if there, if there's odds in these, the odds might flip big time by the time this comes down, if those two don't meet in the great cup. I think the way that these things go, the coach of the year will be O'Shea. And I think he deserves it, but it's impressive what Dinwiddie did in his first season as a coach to win the East. Like, maybe not win the East, but to finish first in the East, that's impressive, right? I think you can really make a strong case for Dinwiddie to make this when you look at his first year in as coach here and how much that team has flipped from being in the basement of the CFL to up on the top. Yeah. So, like, maybe he actually does deserve that then more than O'Shea. O'Shea's been great, but he has essentially the same team that won the Grey Cup last year, right? Exactly. We move on to rookie, and this was a tough one for me. I really thought this was going to be from the West Division, Key and Schaefer Baker of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. It is not. From the West, you have Jordan Williams uh, of the BC Lions versus Peter Nicastro of the Toronto Argonauts. These, these ones are weird ones. These are like weird positions that don't usually get the play time to be award winners. You know what I mean? It is. Um, I can't say I've seen a lot of Nick Castro, but I've watched enough because I played linebacker and I, I watched linebacker a lot. I can confirm that Jordan Williams was very good. Like I said, maybe it's still biased. I don't know if he was the best rookie in the West, but he did play very good. He did anchor down that, that defense for BC. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't... It's a lot, a lot of this depends, right? If the Argonauts make the Grey Cup again, they said there might be a strong shift towards the East on this one. I think so too. I think there may be right now a little bit of bias towards Jordan Williams right now. Um, Peter Nicastro being an offensive lineman, it's yeah. sometimes hard to, there's no stats to track. It's hard to, it's, to make yeah. a case like that. Whereas you look at Jordan Williams, who was second in the league in tackles as a rookie. Right. Yeah. Cause you don't, you don't see them make the impact play the same way bringing down a ball carrier does or tipping a pass. Right. It's not the same playing offensive line. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's like I said, I think you're right. I think there's probably a swing to Jordan Williams right now, but like I said, if, if there's a big, big old pancake block by Pierre Nicastro in that uh, East final, you may see the line swing a bit. Right. I definitely think you could. Then we move to our special teams award. Nice to see a returner in this award in Devontae Deadman of the Ottawa Red Blacks. Yep. Coming up against Renee Paradis of the Calgary Stampeders. Not even, not even biased about what we saw last night. I think just Deadman has been electric. One of the very few bright spots on an Ottawa team that wasn't very good. I would give him the award. I think I would too. I am a little bit shocked that Paradez is up for this award. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. I, when you have a guy like Mike Miller on Winnipeg, yep. 
just broke the special teams tackles record this year, right? Exactly. I really thought he was going to be a shoe in for that award yeah, nomination. And I bet you a lot of the voters after seeing Renee Paradis's performance last night are reconsidering their vote. Yeah. Like I said, I'd even be like, even Brett Lothar, you could even make the case maybe for the riders would have been okay in that spot as well. Right. But because there's so much parody that you could have put on the on the west side and for how how settled it is on the east like yeah deadman is the guy to have this nomination is another reason why it probably should just be deadman right i think so i think yeah. you're right offensive lineman of the year from the east division is brandon revenberg of the hamilton tiger cats versus stanley bryant of the winnipeg blue bombers two guys that have been there around this league for a while, it's all words, it's all words, yeah. These are two of the best offensive linemen in the league. These are two great guys to be nominated for this award. Yeah. This is a tough one, always to kind of say who's going to win. Like I said before, offensive linemen, you don't really have stats to track. So right. unless you really watch these guys and go through the tape and go through the film, it's hard to pick one. I think if you just had to look right now, Stanley Bryant's on the more winning team, so yeah. obviously. It's easy to go his way. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to be said for both those guys. Like you said, being stalwarts of this league, being on those teams, holding down the line as long as they have, being as consistently good as they have, man, it's tough. Like I said, I think we've both played offensive line at like minor levels, man. And like you imagine how much harder it's going to be in the pros. Just your, your body gets beat up. You're just clanging heads in the trenches for all of these games. It's impressive what those guys do. Like I said, it just seems like because of the reputation Stanley Bryant has, the team that he's on, that he'll probably get the nod. But like I said, I would be, I'd be okay to be surprised too, and Revenberg would deserve it. I think so. Then we move on to Canadian. We have from the Montreal Alouettes, David Menard coming up against the West Division nominee from the BC Lions, Paul Lacombo. Pretty sus, pretty sus pick for Bola Combo. Not that he's not good, because he is very good, but a little bit sus in my opinion. That that West nominee one. Yeah, it's a little. I mean, I, I hate to just. I mean, we everybody knows you're listening to this. There's bias, but like, would you? It's tough for me to even say like, Schaefer Baker or Micah Tights or like some of these guys don't deserve it more. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know, man. Like I said, hey, I mean, I'm sure there's like lots of guys on other teams that are Canadian too that just lit it up too. Like you said, you could even put like Mike Miller in a spot like this, and even exactly. it would make complete sense. Um, hey, like, and, and maybe again, like what what's what it is, but I don't know. I'll pick Menard just because I can't think of anybody on the other side that deserves it more than him on the East. Whereas I, you know, guys that challenge the West one quite a bit, right? Yeah, I agree with you there that there was look that you're probably challenged to pick Ola Kumbo over the West, but David Menard was a standout in that Edis division, yeah. and that makes him a standout for the award a little bit. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I am a fan of these defensive nominees here. These are two guys that have been around the league for a long time and both deserve an award nomination yeah, from the East it. division. We have linebacker Simone Lawrence of the Hamilton Tiger Cats and from the West Division we have linebacker Adam Big Hill from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers 
both those guys deserve that nomination, right? I can't even argue. I said, I think the Riders have the best overall defense, like team defense, but and you look at standout specific players, that Bombers team is absolutely packed with superstars. And I think Adam Baker is probably the easiest pick this year to make because that guy was an absolute force in the middle. And then on the other side, Smoney Lawrence, as I said, he broke the record for most tackles in Hamilton Tiger Cat history. He's been in that same spot, played the same position for what? I think since 2013 now, 2014 seven or eight years at least and he's been in that spot and he's been so reliable seems to always come up with one or two big picks at the end of the year at some point right and like we said a team that's been flying on defense a team that just shut down the alouettes in the semifinal you could make the case for either of these guys i think you definitely can i honestly don't know which way i would go i almost lean a little bit to Simone lawrence he's been in the headlines a lot with the record breaking and I know he's got a couple touchdowns under his belt this season, which is right. different for a linebacker. So he has yeah. been in the headlines a little bit more, which makes me kind of lean Simone Lawrence's way. Like I said, I'm, I'm skeptical just because it seems like they always want to pick Big Hill because he's been there before. But I really hope and think that Simone Lawrence deserves it. I hope that Simone Lawrence wins it this year. I do too. And that brings us to the major award, the most outstanding player. These guys were the natural picks for these. There was no arguing these, I don't think. From the East Division, you have from the Montreal Alouettes, running back, William Stanback, and from the West Division, quarterback, Zach Caleros of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like I said, that's the natural progression of those two spots. Stanback was the leading rusher for the last two years. That Al's offense runs through him, as you saw when he got shut down on the weekend here. That team lives and dies with Stanback. Stanback is a grown man rumbling the football down the field. And then on the other side, you have a history-setting Winnipeg Blue Bombers team. And it all starts with the guy distributing the ball, right? There's a reason why all those receivers got big years. He's the guy that hands off the ball. He's the leader of that team. He's the guy that came in in 2019. At the end of the year, took that over and led him to a great cup, right? Zach Claros has had a great year. Yeah, I think there was question with Zach Caleros coming into the season. Everybody, can he do it again? Can he get him to the Grey Cup? Or was he put into a good position last year where he could ride some coattails to a Grey Cup? And he proved that, nope, I can lead this team to a Grey Cup right from the start to finish. And I think for that reason, I think it's probably going to be Caleros, especially because quarterback is such – it's the position to give us a war to as well. But when you look at all the stuff he did, it's probably going to be Caleros. I think it'll be Caleros as well. Yeah. And that wraps up your 2021 CFO Awards. We'll see what happens on award night. That that will be, I believe. Is it the Friday of Great Friday, December 10th at 6 p.m. I believe that will be 6 p.m. Eastern time. Right. Okay. So stay tuned. Stay tuned if you're on the edge of your seat somehow after that riveting analysis. Watch the award winners. <laughs> and that brings us to the main event. This weekend's matchup, the East Final and the West Final, the Battle of Ontario and the Border Battle of Saskatchewan and Manitoba. 
I feel like this is this is great for the CFL, man. This is the two Labor Day matchups that people look forward to the most. The East-West traditional rivalries, man. Like this, it's good that these games are the finals. It's after a year where you didn't have the CFL before, it seems it seems like justice to have these two big rivalries be the game before the Great Cup. Definitely. We'll start off with some analysis uh, analysis of Hamilton and Toronto. This will be the fifth time these teams play this year. What a crazy schedule that that came about. It will, I believe Toronto took the season series. Yeah, they did. So I guess, yes, that is why they have first place as well. Yeah. I think it'll be a good game. I think these are two teams that match up well. I think, oh, I don't know. I, I'm trying to make a pick in my head of where I'm going to go with this. I don't know. It's easy to say Toronto after what we saw last time. Jeremiah Masoli had a bad game when these two teams played last through some bad interceptions. But we have seen so much from Masoli otherwise outside of that game in the second half of this year. I think the thing for me that this game really comes down to, it comes down to Hamilton wants to get back home. Hamilton has been so close to the Grey Cup a team like Toronto was at the bottom last year and they're back to the top, but this is a brand new team. These aren't the same guys for the most part that were at the bottom and now are at the top and have this miraculous resilience journey. This is a new team, a new staff. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a team that has won a great cup fairly recently. It's not a team that's starved. It's not a fan base that's starved to get back home. And I think the problem for me with Toronto is they're great when they're great and they're really inconsistent that way. Whereas the Hamilton offense is pretty inconsistent, but that defense week in week out has the lunch pail and they get to work. And that's the reason why I think I'll pick Hamilton to win this game. Yeah. I like that pick. I think when you look at what that Hamilton defense did last week, with that momentum they're coming off of, of such a dominant performance over that Montreal offense, you can't be scared as a pro offense, but you can be as close to scared as you can be if you're that hey. Toronto offense. Cause I would not want to play that Hamilton defense right now. Right. So, I mean, I think the thing for me comes out to is, is Mazzoli and that offense, Brandon Banks, is this offense going to turn on this week? And if they do, is the Toronto defense with all of the guys they signed, all the players they have, are they good enough to stop it and get the stop when they need it? Because it looks like Hamilton can get that stop. They want to get back home. They want to prove that losing three of the four games this year to Toronto doesn't define them. I think Hamilton's out with a vendetta to get that fan base a cup that hasn't had it since 1999, right? Whereas Toronto, I don't think, has the same kind of urgency. I think so, too. I think when you kind of compare some positions, too, even on the offensive side, I start to lead more Hamilton's way, especially when you look at the quarterback picture. I think nine out of ten times I am going to pick Jeremiah Masoli over McLeod Bethel Thompson. Right. Bethel Thompson had an amazing year. This was a guy who came into the season as a guy going into a competition with Nick Arbuckle and did so well at his job as the quarterback of the Toronto Argonauts that they just traded Arbuckle. Right. They felt no need to have 
that guy around backing him up, a guy who can compete for starting spot. They can get something for him, ship him off. We're happy with McLeod Bethel Thompson. So props to Bethel Thompson on a great year, but I think I'm still leaning Masoli's way when it comes to quarterback after the second half of the season he's had where he's just been dominant over teams. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just one of those things, like I said it, I'll pick Hamilton flat out. I think Hamilton has the most proved. They're more hungry. That's a, a, in this in essence, that's the same roster that lost to Winnipeg in the last break cup game. They want it. They want to go home bad. And I think very similar to that. We love to talk about the 2013 season because that's the Riders' most magical season. But on the other side, it was Hamilton. And Hamilton had that run and they went through Toronto. And I can almost see the same thing happening again, right? I think I can. And it just adds so much more fuel to that fire when you know if you win this game, you get to go back home for the Grey Cup. Absolutely. You bet. Who are you picking? There's no way I can pick against Hamilton in this one. I don't think after what we just talked about, I came into this questioning it. This is the the battle of Southern Ontario here. And I didn't really know. And then we kind of talked it through and I'm going Hamilton. I'm, I'm a lot more confident in this game than I'm about the next one. I'll just say that. It's tough. It's tough, but we'll move <laughs> on to it. We'll move on to it. We have a rematch of the Labor Day classic and the banjo bowl. It is and last year's West final and last year's West final and the years before that's West semifinal. It's just a historic rivalry. It's the Saskatchewan Rough Riders heading to IG Field to take on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. There's going to be a lot of green there. You better believe there's going to be a lot of green in Winnipeg this weekend. Like I said, you, I always think of stuff like who has home field advantage, how pronounced is that home field advantage? And I guess we can mention the same for the last game too. There's going to be a lot of yellow and, and black in Toronto. There might be more Hamilton fans and Toronto fans, which is interesting for that one. I don't expect there to be more Ryder fans and Bomber fans, but there's going to be a ton of green in the stands at IG Field this weekend. Oh, definitely. I think they've sold over 28,000 tickets as of this morning. So that one's getting real close to a sellout. Those yeah. Bomber fans, they come out in full force every week. So it'll be a raucous environment for probably both teams because you know those rider fans when they travel they make noise too absolutely when you really break down this game this is it's it's interesting i i put down the the hammer that i think the riders are the best defense in the cfl and i think that the winnipeg defense would beg to differ right not allowing points in the fourth quarter all year with some of the all-stars they have big hill jeff coat uh, Willie Jefferson got Alexander at safety. You've got a guy like Winston Rose back, but if we want to, if we want to play this, this game, it's been a long time since Winnipeg played some football, man. And like meaningful football that mattered. And the riders have been playing meaningful football for the last four weeks. Right. Yeah. I, I want to put this out here too. We say since meaningful football, that would be the game they clinched the West final. But looking even before that, when is the last time this Winnipeg team was challenged? Right. I think was that's that point. Yeah. week four against Calgary? I think the last time they were challenged was mentally maybe was, I think, 
was probably Labor Day. Probably. Truly yeah. challenged week four, but I'd say mentally, they probably came in raring to go as focused prep-wise as they had to be was Labor Day. And then yeah. once they got that win under their belt, because they knew Saskatchewan's the second best team in the CFL, they knew that, yep. if not the best at that point. So once they beat Saskatchewan, they knew they could do it again, and then they knew they were good. So I almost wonder mentally if maybe they will have, they will be off and that riders momentum of that last game is just going to carry us. We have to hope so. We have to hope so. Yeah. You think of a Winnipeg team that's just been cruising since week five, week six. So I would say that would be the X factor for the riders here. When you look from the bomber side, it has been the complete dominance over the league this year. Right. That is their advantage. Yep. Just a, a de- dominant defense, a dominant offense, a team that is so good in the fourth quarter that it's it has to be some kind of a record. The things they've been able to do in the fourth quarter, it got a little muddied in the last few weeks when they haven't been playing any of their starters. They've lost a few games without playing any meaningful football, like we said. I think this is it's tough for me because I, I so badly, so badly. And Hey man, I'm not lying to you. I will pick the riders. Like there's, I can't pick the bombers, but it's so tough because you see, you see how our offense has been trending and it's been maybe trending a bit up. And then last week it kind of just got stagnant again. You can't, I expect our defense to play really well, but it's hard after you show out like on special teams like that, to expect to surprise a team the next week by doing that kind of special teams work again. Right. So we can't, I don't think we can rely on special teams as hard as we did this week. It's going to have to be the offense. And this is a very good Winnipeg defense. It is. I think when you look at a guy like Shaq Evans, who has had a not great year, he definitely had a not good Western semifinal. Yeah. Four yards, one catch for minus four. One catch for minus four. Yeah. So that's a guy coming in with a chip on his shoulder, though. That's a guy that can make a game-changing difference in this game if he can turn it on. A guy like Shaq, it's key. you got to get him a couple catches early just to get his mind in the game, and then he'll start to roll. And then you look at a guy like Duke Williams that can get your offense going as well. That was a. Those are two guys that this Riders team did not have when they played Winnipeg. This is a different team. This is a completely different Riders team than Winnipeg saw in week six and week seven. Yeah, I mean, and it's the fact, too, that I think I don't, I wouldn't bet on Fajardo playing as bad as he did again. Like I said, there's differing levels. We don't know. Maybe he'll still throw a pick or two, but I certainly don't think he's going to throw four picks again. He won't be that reckless with the football again. So, Maybe our offense can get cooking if we don't get stalled out on those kind of drives, if those balls turn into completions. I don't know. It, it's it's hard to hope. Um, that that Winnipeg offense is loaded with weapons as well. Let's not look at that. They have a very good mauling offensive line, like we said. Pat Newfelt, Stanley Bryant, among others. They have Andrew Harris, Zach Caleros, Dembski, um, Darvin Adams, they have a lot of weapons. And I, but it, it gives me hope that 
Calgary had a lot of pretty good weapons on their team too. And the riders absolutely held their own and won the battle. Right. They said, I think this defense will do it again. The most important aspect for me to look at this game is that we need our offense to put up there. Yeah. I think something that's also working to the riders advantage here, there is a large question mark about the fact if Andrew Harris is ready to go yet. Andrew Harris has not played in a good few weeks here been out I don't I can't remember what his injury is is it a knee I feel like it was a knee but I could be making that completely up I've, but I've, if, if, if it's shoulder I'm wrong too but I thought it was like a lower body when I remembered hearing it not that that's very specific but yeah well we we might be wrong we might be right he's out with an injury that's about all we know here at the booth and his status for the game is in question not sure if he'll be able to play. That's not saying that the Bombers have been not still dominant without Andrew Harris, but that is a game-changing difference for them if they can, if he can play or not. Right. Are you going to pick the Riders? Of course I'm going to pick the yeah. Riders. There's no way. This is a team that's going to travel with its fans. It's a completely different team that Winnipeg's seen. Winnipeg's been sitting there in their lawn chairs just chilling, just having a nice, easy season. And this Riders team has fought for everything they've got this season. This right. is a hard-nosed, chip-on-their-shoulder team that's going to take down those guys sitting there just cruising through victory after victory, not being challenged. I think that's the thing, too. It's like one of those X-factor things we talked about with Hamilton, too, is you look at the Riders – we lost Labor Day. We lost the Banjo Bowl. We lost the West Final 2019 in our own barn. That's a lot of losing we've done to Winnipeg lately. I think these guys are primed. They're primed to win one of these back, and this is the week to do it, right? Go to their barn, West Final, the next year after, and take back the win that we lost. Exactly. Exactly. I think it's very, it's very interesting, too, that maybe the writers – of course, the Riders of 2019 weren't dominant like the Bombers have been this year, but you almost get the sense that that Winnipeg team in 2019, once they got down with Calgary, they knew, hey, nobody can stop us now. We are the team to beat. We are rolling. And I almost feel like maybe the Riders have that after getting the monkey off their back and winning their first home playoff game in the new stadium, beating Bull Levi and the Stampeders, a real measuring stick game. I feel that the riders have that chip on their shoulder too. If you're a rider fan and you're in doubt right now, I will give you this as we close up here to maybe try and give you some sort of hope. And we look back to 1989. I was negative 10 years old, but I can, I can read, I can read Wikipedia. Uh, <laughs> He's literate. He's literate. I'm literate. I'm literate. When a nine-win Saskatchewan Rough Riders team took down Calgary in the Western semifinal and faced the huge feat of the 16-2 and Edmonton football team. Okay. And they went into Edmonton and took that team down and went on to win the Grey Cup 43 to 40 over the Hamilton Tiger Cats. All right. I see how this is going. Yeah. And I mean, hey, 2013, what was that great cup matchup? 
Yeah. Right this is cats, yeah. The storyline is there for a Hamilton and Saskatchewan Grey Cup. I of course the storyline is there for a Winnipeg and Hamilton matchup as well. That would be just the same Grey Cup as two years ago last season, which would be a great rematch in Hamilton's barn. It's, but we, we don't want to see that, though. We don't want to see that. We want to see a 13 repeat, an 89 repeat. This is just the storyline for the ages. If you get a Riders versus Hamilton Grey Cup, those are two of some of the best fan bases in the league that you want here. Yeah, as far as fan bases go, maybe, hey, man, I'll call it Toronto's fan base. Not very good. Not very not, good. Not lighten it up, but Hamilton, Saskatchewan, Winnipeg, those are some solid fan bases that will pack the house in, in Hamilton for sure. And it's nice to know that you're guaranteed at least one of those. Yeah, absolutely. Got any closing thoughts before we wrap this up? Um, for some reason, going into the semifinals, when I picked the Riders and I picked the Tie Cats, I wasn't as nervous as people. I think when you listen to the analysis around the league, I wasn't that nervous about those picks. In my mind, it seemed like yeah, the Tie Cats and the Riders are the better teams here. Um, I like I said, I have I have some confidence in that Tie Cat pick. I really think that they're better than Toronto, but this Rider pick scares me. I'm gonna pick the Riders. I think they can do it, but it's scary to pick just how the Bombers have been this year, but we have no choice but to ride or die with the green and white. That's our squad. Those are our boys. We'll see them get it done. We will see them get it done. This Sunday, we have the East final between the Hamilton Tiger Cats and the Toronto Argonauts kicks off at 1130 Saskatchewan time, followed up by the West final with your Saskatchewan Rough Riders heading down the road to Winnipeg to take on the Blue Bombers at 3 o'clock Saskatchewan time. It'll be great. Oh, it'll be great. Get, get your popcorn ready. I feel like we have some barn burners cooking up here. I think we got some barn burners. It's going to be a great week of CFL football. As always, we are the Booth Boys. This is the Booth Podcast. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, at the booth ec stay tuned for all the content we got coming out next week we'll be previewing the gray cup oh oh i'm so ready to preview the gray cup it's It's gonna be so great i can't believe we're saying that after a full canceled season yeah we're back it's almost the gray cup here we go here we go buy some merch all the links to our merch are in our bios on our social medias. They'll be in the bio of the podcast as well. Like, share, subscribe, yeah. subscribe, subscribe comment, it helps. Whatever, right? It helps. Show it to a friend. As always, I have been Rich. He has been Dave. We are the Booth Boys signing off. We'll see you next week for right. the Gray Cup. Go Riders, go.